Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Hey guys, Daryl here. Here's part two of Anime World Order show number 69, containing Gerald's review of Cream Lemon and my non-review of Wicked City. I say non-review because I didn't actually review Wicked City, I just sort of synopsize the entire thing and if you've never listened to this podcast before i want everyone to know that is not usually how i review things just thought i'd point that out because our guest for all of show number 69 is zero chan from japanator.com and as such some of you may be listening to the show for the first time may not necessarily know about that stuff anyway to hear the rest of show number 69 as well as archives of all our previous episodes please go to www.animeworldorder.com in particular, I'd like to advise people to go and check out that website just so you can vote on the polls that we're setting up. I post different ones from time to time. Do send us emails. Let us know what you think of all this. AnimeWorldOrder at gmail.com. We do, of course, have the voicemail number two. It's 206-666-4AWO. And we do listen to all the voicemails, just so everybody knows, even though I haven't really been playing them. And as far as other podcasts are concerned, Gerald was a guest on Geek Nights. They did a Thursday show where they just interviewed him for about an hour and 20 minutes. Get that at www.frontrowcrew.com. He was also on Destroy All Podcast DX, destroyallpodcastsdx.com. And soon, in the near future, I'll probably be making another guest appearance on the Greatest Movie Ever podcast. I'm not entirely sure when that's getting posted, but I'll keep everybody up to speed on that. Anyway, here we go. This was recorded a little while back, so you'll have to wait just a little bit longer to hear us talk about the shocking news that happened. Really, I don't know how it could have happened. Who could have foreseen it? All right, here's part two of the show. to hentai or erotic anime, it's pretty fair to say that there are probably very few, if any, shows that have sort of any real basis in the history of anime. I mean, 99.5% of all hentai that is released is just released out there, it sells some copies, and it generally disappears, and people even forget that it even existed. Mm -hmm. However, there are a few shows out there, and they're definitely few in number, that actually have some sort of importance to anime historically. And sometimes these series can actually be an influence, too, such as is the case with the series I'm talking about. This is the longest-running hentai series ever. The most recent part was released in 2004, if you don't count a live-action 2006 movie. That is the 1984 OAV series Cream Lemon. Cream Lemon is a really sort of strange beast. And as I was preparing for this review, I kind of had sort of a problem in that the unique thing about Cream Lemon is that there's really no one way to talk about it or approach it. There are probably 39 different parts to Cream Lemon, and they're divided up into several sub-series. There's like New Cream Lemon and Original Cream Lemon and such. And with few exceptions, almost every episode is done by a completely different animator, writer, director, and character designer. In fact, 
Much of the regular anime industry at the time, both the staff and the voice actors, had some sort of role in Cream Lemon. And because of the wide base that Cream Lemon covers, I can't really make this a comprehensive review. Because there are entire podcasts that are dedicated to less material than there exists in Cream Lemon. So I'll attempt to go over some of the general points about the show and how it came to be, and go over some of perhaps my favorite parts of Cream Lemon. Cream Lemon itself was an adult video series put out by the studio Fairy Dust. I'm not exactly sure what the deal with the studio Fairy Dust was, because as far as I can tell, all they made was Cream Lemon and maybe a few other spin-off OAVs. Hmm. And I'm thinking that they were probably an established studio already that was just differentiating their work. I'm thinking they might have been Studio Piero, because that's where a lot of the same staff worked, but I'm not sure. And it seemed that Cream Lemon was sort of an attempt to cash in on the new freedoms that you had with the direct-to-video market. The VHS market had not been around for very long in 1984, and they were there at sort of the start of it. In fact, the very first episode of Cream Lemon was actually the ninth anime video ever released. Apparently, the uh, director of that very first episode and the voice actress for the main character for the very first episode were so new to the idea of erotic anime that supposedly all of the staff and the actors had to rent some pornographic videos and watch them to get a better idea of what was expected out of them. Oh, God. Yeah, apparently they didn't really know what to do with this new stuff. Hmm. Cream Lemon also sort of hits almost every genre in anime. There's high school dramas, there's sci-fi, there's high fantasy, there's comedy, there's like subtle comedy and screwball, there's horror, and there's just regular dramas. The series, in fact, love to take stabs at a lot of the really popular anime series and tropes of the day. The third episode of Cream Lemon was actually called Super Dimensional Legend Rawl, which was obviously a take on the superdimensional series Macross, Orgus, and Southern Cross. And both Macross and Southern Cross are best known as being adapted into Robotech in America. There was another episode of Cream Lemon called Star Trap, which was basically a hentai version of The Dirty Pair. One of my favorite episodes was called Multicolored Bunny, and featured a Transformer in it for no reason at all. It just appears. <laughs> Did it have sex with a Transformer? No. And no, this Transformer does not have sex. It's just like it's a panning shot of a traffic. City. And then, and then And then a car just suddenly stands up and transforms and then flies away. And and there's it. no explanation for it. It just happens. Yep. Cream Lemon was just really weird sometimes. And the thing is that hentai in the 1980s was a couple of things. Like today and any other time, about 90 percent of it was just awful or just absolutely horrible and distasteful in every way. The problem with it was that the default fetish at the time in the 1980s was Lolicon. Lolita complex? Little girls? Just like now then. I wouldn't call it the default fetish today. It's a popular fetish today, but it's not the default. Well, Moa and Lolicon are closely related, but they're not exactly the same thing because you can still be totally Moe for a girl with huge hooters. Yeah. yeah. That is still a little girl anyway. <laughs> Cream Lemon was a little bit more unusual in that it didn't make that as big an element of the show. Also, hentai at the time was extremely weird. They'd feature stories that were just really strange and surreal, or that just didn't make any sense. And part of it was, I'm sure, that they were dealing with probably very untalented staffs of people, or these were very new animators, or maybe they, they were They never knew the touch of a woman? Yeah, very likely. Porn to me <laughs> seems like it's not really the field that people go into to write stories that make sense or are well constructed. Well, you'd, you'd actually be surprised, Daryl. There's actually some people out there that use it as an opportunity to try different things. I mean porn in the holistic sense, not necessarily just anime. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I understand what you mean there, yeah. Yeah, some of those early 
titles were very weird, and a lot of that weirdness definitely carried into Cream Lemon. Cream Lemon also acted as sort of a starting point for a lot of new anime talent at the time. Many popular voice actors worked in Cream Lemon at some point. Daisuke Gauri, Norio Wakamoto, Yoshiko Sakakibara, just to name a few. There were a lot of character designers, writers, and directors who got their start or were continuing their careers in Cream Lemon. Toshihiro Hirano, the director of XR1, Apocalypse Zero, Devil Lady, and Dangayo, <laughs> was a character designer for Mako Sexy Symphony. He was actually the director of that, too. How does it stack up to his other directorial triumphs? There, there were <laughs> far fewer heads exploding. On the Apocalypse Zero scale, where Apocalypse Zero is a 1.0 on the Apocalypse <laughs> Zero scale, where does this measure up? Uh, it's kind of hard to compare, because there aren't exactly many people in Mako Sensei Symphony who are squeezed so hard that their intestines what about, fly out their what mouths. What about lesbian count? There is a lot of lesbianism. Okay, so in maybe fact, it might be a 1.8 on the Apocalypse Zero scale. There was a lot of uh, Yuri in it. It's, it's kind of unusual. Also, uh, um, Can I interject something here? Sure. Since we're talking about Doujinshi, there were a few episodes of Cream Lemon from a few other artists that were planned and like never actually made it into production. Yes, I was uh, just going to talk them? about that, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of them was by Nobuteru Yuki. That's exactly what I was going to go on to. Yeah, Nobuteru Yuki actually did some layout and design work and character designs for an episode of Cream Lemon. And we actually interviewed Nobuteru Yuki about two years ago or something like that. If you go to the website and click on the interviews tag, it'll probably show you that episode a little quicker than if you just search through the feed. I've seen this, and it looks like there were going to be some fairies in it or something. It, it looked really Yeah, lesbian fairies. Yeah. I believe that there were a couple of things like that. There were a number of episodes that were never made that were done by pretty well-known people. Right. I have to wonder how they didn't get made. Was it just budget or, or what? But I, we're, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves. Perhaps. Anyway, I have no intention of going through each episode of Cream Lemon, like I said. But I think it is worthwhile to go over maybe some of the series or some of the episodes that I feel are either really good or maybe were important to some degree. The first of these is probably the first episode of Cream Lemon. It's known as Be My Baby. It's the start of the Ami Saga. I'm not especially a fan of this series at all. You'll know why as soon as I say the basis of it, but the Ami Saga is probably the longest-running Cream Lemon series. There were actually six or seven parts to it in Cream Lemon, and there was a live-action movie of it made very recently, and it had like a four-part series a while ago. In fact, Project Aiko premiered on a double bill with one of the Ami movies. It was actually not a pornographic <laughs> movie. It was just like a straight-up drama or something. But the series is about, and this is why I don't like this series, but it is important. It's about a younger girl who's trying to seduce her brother. And while this has become sort of a very normal thing in anime today, I guess it was kind of considered unusual at that time. It was creating beasts before it even knew it. I guess on the bright side, with a title like that, at least it was not about, say, three people as the atomic bombs are about to fall, knocking out a guy and dressing him up as a baby to make him think that he was a kid again and getting him to crawl back into the womb or nothing of that sort of final flesh related. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize what you were talking about until a little ways into that. Where the hell did that come from? Oh we'll boy, something we shouldn't have. <laughs> really special we porn movie? Something we shouldn't own or should not even exist. <laughs> and yet it does, oh, and that's the wonder of the world. Yeah. Hmm. 
life is beautiful. Uh. <laughs> How many of these cream lemon episodes took place in Nazi concentration camps and featured Roberto Benigni? <laughs> Any? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Only about five or six. Okay, that's not so bad. There were lesbian oh, Nazis, I remember, in one uh, episode at least. That was actually a very good episode called Nari Scramble, where a high school was taken over by a group of three lesbian Nazis. That was actually a pretty good episode as well. That was a comedy. Nazis are always funny. <laughs> they are hilarious. I think so. That's why I'm going to see Indiana Jones anyway. <laughs> hilarious Nazi. Postscriptum. There were no fucking Nazis in that movie. Jones! I'm very disappointed. Lego Indiana Jones does not have Nazis in it. How can you not have Nazis in an Indiana Jones? Because I guess it's it's like a kid's game and it's, it's Lego, so they're like, oh, we can't well, have at Nazis. at least change the logo to something like how Germany, you can't have Nazis in any game, so all the World War II stuff, you just don't have the swastika in it. Mm. At <laughs> least give us that. They can still have... Black outfits and, you know, the, all that. Well, next thing you know, you're going to tell me there's no Lego eating monkey brains or Lego ripping out a guy's heart. <laughs> I'd really love to see a Lego ripping out a guy's heart. Yeah. I'd like to see the Legos melt when they open the Ark of the Covenant. His little blocky, adorable Lego heart. But anyway, back to Cream Lemon. The episode that I think is the most interesting was actually the fourth episode of Cream Lemon, Pop Chaser. Yep. This episode was directed by Yuji Moriyama and... It basically featured the same crew as Project Aiko. Which Yuji Moriyama also directed. Yes. Well, Project Aiko they... was intended to be a porn initially, wasn't it? Was it, it was intended to be part of uh, Cream Lemon, I think. Yeah, it was. I think. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. figured, I mean, if Pop Chaser is in Cream Lemon, then it stands to reason. Could people just say it was part of Cream Lemon? Because like you said, these things have nothing to do with each other as far as anything but they do have like the cream lemon title screen and stuff Oh, okay it's kind of like that series you know masters of horror where it's just like 10 different stories right. directed by different people it's, it's an anthology the, the series, theme you know? the theme for that is horror the theme for this is just adult content just porn in fact if you watch pop chaser just by itself having watched project echo you'll really, really feel like this is an extension of Project Aiko, because a lot of the design work is very similar. Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of very early design work by Hiroyuki Kitakubo as well in it. I believe this is actually the first thing Hiroyuki Kitakubo worked on. So he went on to work on, uh, what's it, Golden yeah. Boy, and didn't he do Blood the Last Vampire? Tons of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it has. I mean, I mentioned him in the Robot Carnival review. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This was his start. Anyway, it's notable, too, because the mech designs in it are terrific. But Pop Chaser itself is set in... New Kansas. That's Kansas with a C. And it's a Kansas that is very much hillier and far more interesting, I bet, than Kansas is today. Do they know about the evolution in this Kansas? The world in general in Pop Chaser is very similar to Trigun, in that it's this very Old West sort of look, but with super high technology. Is there a name for that? No, I guess it's just, you've seen the idea of this sort of space western come up yeah. from time to time, yeah. because... The idea of the Western was that it was a frontier territory. There wasn't really law or government and that sort of thing. And nowadays, most of the Earth is relatively settled and civilized, yeah. short of David Attenborough documentaries. And so the idea is when they make these stories, they say, okay, well, space is now that Western, Wild West frontier. And therefore, they sort of merge the concepts of right. having the old-style frontier territory with the new one of space, and there you get the space western. Yeah, I actually asked a person about this, if there was, like, a specific name for it, and apparently in American science fiction, there isn't enough of that 
sort of setting to constitute yeah. that, but uh, it's much more common, it seems, in, in anime. You hear that, Firefly fans? Browncoats take note. Joss Whedon already did. But anyway, the show features the main character, the tough lady, Ryo, going in to a very stereotypical Old West-style town. She apparently needs a place to eat and sleep and is directed towards the town's bar hotel. Slash whorehouse. Well, <laughs> Ryo finds that the owner of this place is a rather strange man who has predicted the future, in a way. <laughs> he has set up basically a maid cafe, except they're not maids, they're schoolgirls. So he was... A genius! He was a genius. He was creating monsters before he even knew it. <laughs> is this kind of like the Gonad the Barbarian guy who was really into the schoolgirl <laughs> stuff? Like his goal was to make the schoolgirl uniform like a fetishized item, and he succeeded beyond anyone's wildest dreams. <laughs> I believe he does have this very moving thing where he tries to talk about how the sailor Fuku is the future of the world and things like that. Oh, perverts. We have to use this ability to foresee the next big thing. Like, you know, there were schoolgirls, then there was maids, and I'm putting my bet on the roulette table down on marching band uniform, but I mean, we already sort of saw a small amount of that in the past, and it didn't really catch Mao on. Chan. Thankfully, Mao Chan, yes. Yeah. I've been thunderstolen, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. The person that predicted is bound to be a millionaire. Clean room outfit. Like, I remember when the Penny and <laughs> 2 came out. No, no, it'll just be like plate mail. Head-to-toe, full heavy plate mail. Oh, God. Anyway, where was I? Yeah. She's basically getting a room at this uh, weird sort of hotel bar slash schoolgirl place. Apparently, they're not actual schoolgirls. They're just women who are hired to dress up as schoolgirls. What is it? All the women in this cartoon are over 18 years of age and attending two-year community college vocational school? Anyway, Rio finds a room, and one of the waitresses named Mai walks in and informs Rio that the town is being just terrorized by this group of bandits headed up by this guy named Zack. And they'd really appreciate it if Rio, who looks like the baddest badass in town, would assist them in this problem. Rio, of course, agrees, and Mai thanks her appropriately in, uh... fashion. In one of the longest sex scenes I think I've ever seen animated. Yeah. Ever. Probably one-third of the episode's length is just this scene between Rio and Mai, which is not to say that it's bad at all. I think it's actually probably one of the most well-animated scenes of its kind. You find yourself checking your watch, saying, come on, <laughs> get on with it. I want to see Zack and Wiki show up. <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of... It sounds like it's a good idea, because a lot of hentai that you see made today is fairly light on the actual having sex content of it compared to the rest of the running time. Right. Like, compared to a regular say, like, a standard pornographic film that you'd get. Where it's just basically introduction and sex for 40 minutes or whatever. Right, right. That doesn't really happen so much in, in the animated stuff. I'm actually surprised that anime fans put up with it, because in Japan they have to buy these videos that are very expensive, and then they get maybe five minutes of sex or something out of it. I don't know. Anyway, the next morning, Rio wakes up, and instantly, just like, she wakes up, she looks around, Mai's not there, and instantly a bomb hits the building. And uh, Rio is now in, in just the debris of this building. And it was hit by Zack, played by Norio Wakamoto, I should say, who's coming to the town to kidnap all the waitresses from the bar. So Rio is honor speeder by going off to find... I wonder what he would possibly want to do with them. His town lacks waitresses, obviously. <laughs> yes, they have so... a horrifying labor shortage in the waitressing exactly. area. And waitressing is a very skilled... <laughs> 
job, so there are not many waitresses around. So That's yeah, out in the Wild West. Yeah. Anyway, Rio is off to find out what's going on with her new lover. Pop Chaser has probably some of the highest production values of any Cream Lemon show of the 39 episodes. Yeah. And that's actually saying something, because Cream Lemon overall looks really nice. There are episodes, especially later in the series, that just look beautiful. But this one, early on, just looks amazing. The animation is very smooth, the character designs are excellent, the mech designs are really great. If you actually cut out the sex, which would significantly shorten the video, it's actually an extremely entertaining little show by itself. I mean, perhaps this is par for the course, because, as we were saying before, Project Echo was originally going to be porn, and then someone there got the bright idea that, hey, this is actually a lot better, maybe we should make this a movie, and it ended up being one of the best anime movies ever. As I was saying, uh, there's a lot greater slant towards lesbian stuff in this than we actually see today. And I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it's the just that The animators are something... cockophobic. They didn't quite understand the notion of hermaphrodites. That wasn't invented <laughs> until... I'd say maybe they weren't as later. terrified of women as they are now. I don't know, really. Yeah. I just know that... We seem to see a lot more of it in that than we do see today. Yeah. I guess there's no penises to censor out. If you ever want to watch Cream Lemon, that's going to be kind of weird as well. Because it's not a series that has ever been fully released in the U.S. Although a bunch of it has been released at one point or another. Star Trap, I believe, was released on a double bill with the very memorable Gonad the Barbarian in a video called The Search for Uranus um, with a very entertaining dub. Oh, God, porn titles. Yeah, Gonad the Barbarian was not part of Cream Lemon. The anime encyclopedia is wrong about that. It was part of this shitty side series or something, whatever. But there were several episodes of Cream Lemon that were released as the Pandora trilogy as well. This is all way back in the 80s on VHS, and I doubt any of this stuff is actually on DVD anymore. I believe that was also very badly dubbed. There was also a really shitty company called Filmco that released a ton of Cream Lemon on DVD. I'm actually not certain that these were even legitimate releases. Mm. I've never seen these releases, but I'm told that the DVD transfer looks like a bootleg VHS <laughs> that was a couple of generations old that somebody decided to crap on one more time before they cramped it onto a DVD. So I'm pretty sure this was not an actual licensed thing. I'm told that Media Blasters was actually looking into getting the license for Cream Lemon. I'm not certain how accurate that is. It would be kind of a weird thing to get, because I'm sure Cream Lemon is very expensive. Would it be that viable in today's market? Isn't Cream Lemon a bit more tame than the usual releases? It is a lot tamer, yeah. There's no scenes in Cream Lemon of a guy raping one girl while sticking a shotgun up the other girl's poontang and then firing it off. Which is now a standard requisite scene in any <laughs> porn that gets made. Now there's, like, anthologies. It's just, yeah, you know, it's just... shotgun poontang. <laughs> Exactly. So. Sawed off weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Sawed off Splatterhouse 8. Or, you know. There is a fan subber out there that is fan subbing Cream Lemon. I believe they're up to episode 10. They're called Limonai. That's pretty much the extent of how Cream Lemon has been released in the U.S. But it still was pretty influential on fandom, right? I mean, people knew about the name Cream Lemon. I remember even in the 90s when there wasn't very much anime being released, people 
associated cream lemon and hentai to the point that when people would write pornographic fanfics, they'd say they're lemon. Yeah, fanfics. I was about to say, yeah. wasn't, that's always what I've heard, that that you know, lemon designation for fanfiction and stuff came from that. And in fact, I believe a lot of just hentai in general was just called cream lemon, even if it wasn't part of cream lemon, just because that was kind of the standard, I suppose. It was generally that series that a lot of older fans just knew about. I've heard that a couple of older fans just ran into it because they'd do some tape trading and then some guy would just stick on a 30-minute episode of Pop Chaser right at the end of the video, just for whatever. It is very well known, and especially among the older anime fans. Yeah, Cream Lemon. It's a very long series, as I said, and it hits most of the parts of hentai that such a long series would be expected to hit. The cervix, I don't like, mainly. I don't like all the parts of it. In fact, there are a lot of parts that I just don't really find very good at all. In fact, some are downright repugnant. But there are also plenty of parts of Cream Lemon that I think are beautifully animated and very good-natured. So, which ones would you recommend, besides Pop Chaser? Pop Chaser is a good one. Nari Scramble is a good one. Multicolored Bunny is a good one. I tend to like the comedies a little bit more. White, I believe it was called White Shadow, is a beautifully animated one. Oh yeah, that That's one looks one amazing. The, that one is one of the best-looking OAVs I've ever seen. There's a number of them that are actually pretty worthwhile checking out, and those are the good place to start. Now, is that worthwhile checking out as far as just, like, a good thing or as far as jackability ratio? No, these are all worthwhile checking out as just a good thing. What are the best ones as far as jackability? <laughs> I, don't, I don't rate things like that, Daryl. That would be awkward. Yeah, those are definitely just good on an entertaining front by themselves. Is this series continuing? You mentioned that the last one was released in 2004, but it's been a while since then, hasn't it? Yeah, and I believe they kind of come out with it on... Sort of sporadic occasions. I don't is it like, know if oh, hey guys, plan. remember Cream Lemon? We're doing another one. Is it, it's kind of yeah. like uh, so making it's, a it's sequel just to that Debbie one Does studio Dallas. is just there, and then they just announce another Cream Lemon. Is that I don't really know how it works. I've never actually seen any of the newer stuff. Yeah, I think that they have been releasing it pretty consistently since it came out. I guess, I think 2006 was when they came out with the live-action movie. I don't know if there's anything been announced since then. Now, do you know if the live-action thing was like a live-action version of one of the other episodes, or was it just a completely new story? I think you mentioned that it was a part of the AMI. Yeah, it was part of the AMI series, mm -hmm. and I didn't mention this in the AMI series, but it was unusual in that, like I said, it was about like a brother trying to seduce his sister or our sister trying to seduce the brother. It was, you know, totally outrageous in that the mother is totally against this concept. That is revolutionary. <laughs> it's, it's, she thinks it's a bad idea. That's what, like what Angel hell? Sanctuary. It's like, <laughs> whoa, you're crazy. How, how can you be against this? You, you just, do you just hate How can America? you oppose our love? What's interesting is that the main character grows up quite a lot during the series. And I believe that that movie takes place when she's a lot older. Mm. I know that the Ami character grows up quite a bit and she moves to London and becomes a career woman and all that. So So does she ever succeed in boning her brother? I don't know. I think she succeeded in the first episode. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like this long build-up to like, maybe she'll get to bone her brother. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's kind of like that one manga Elizabeth Christian's going on about. I think it's just called No, Daddy. And it's about... Uh, <laughs> Figure it out. I think the basis of it was that something happens to them in the beginning, and the mother's like, no, this is bullshit. Son, you move to Europe. 
and then the rest of it is just kind of her growing up. Hmm. Again, I'm not really that much of a fan of Ami, because it's not really my thing. But it's probably a series that, like, one of the most recognizable in, in Cream Lemon. So, I, which ones did the Toshihiro uh, Hirano do again? What are those like? I'm kind of interested in hearing about those, since he was such a big figure in anime in the 80s. That must have been pretty popular back in the day. Yeah, I forgot to mention, yeah, Mako Sexy Symphony. He, that was a two-parter, and that actually, again, looked gorgeous. It absolutely beautifully animated. I believe he directed it. He directed it and did the character designs. And that was a weird one in that, well, I mean, I guess it was kind of par for the course for his work at the time in that it was a woman who was almost clinically terrified of men. She couldn't actually be around men, couldn't approach her in any way. And then she'd have like this other part of her personality that would come out and be like, give it a shot, give it a shot. That was kind of the basis of that. That's another one that's worth checking out just because it is... Again, really beautifully animated. So why do you think uh, quality of animation in most of these hentai OAVs just doesn't live up to the standards Cream Lemon set way back? Is it just, you think the stuff sells so little that they want to just cheap out, or there's just not enough general effort or heart being put into this stuff? Or what would you say? I think it might be that a lot of the talent that was working on Cream Lemon had maybe come from a different place than a lot of the talent comes today. When I was talking about the studio Fairy Dust, I do think that Fairy Dust was probably a professional studio that we know today. And I think that there are are more studios today that will just do hentai. And I think the idea is just to pump out the, well, (laughs) bad terminology there, but just get episodes out. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there is hentai that has got very high production values. There's hentai that's got very low production (laughs) values. In fact, most of it. Yeah. There are episodes of Cream Lemon that are badly animated, but the good ones, I guess, maybe just had that talent there that went on to become professional talent. Maybe, because I always wonder, for the episodes like Pop Chaser or White Shadow or whatever that look so good, I'm like, where did they find the money? to put into this in order to pay these people to have this look that good? Like, were they just insane? Did they work for free? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are shots in Pop Chaser of just, like, Zack sitting on his uh, two-legged mech thing and just these pan shots of just going up the mech that are just super detailed and all that, and someone just sat there for weeks on end drawing this. I don't know if you see that a lot today. It's certainly not in Henta. So... I don't know if I've got a good uh, answer for that. It's interesting because, yeah, I really know why we don't see that sort of attention to it today. That's it, Cream Lemon. Check it out. Yeah, it's at least worth checking out Pop Chaser, if nothing else. Michael Minotta out of Colorado Springs. Just listened to episode 68. Great as always, and sound quality has really improved. I'm looking forward to episode 69's Descent into Pornotopia. I can only assume that Cream Lemon episode that Gerald refers to is Pop Chaser. You're going to have to mention that that episode of Cream Lemon led directly to Project Aiko, which was originally intended to be uh, the next installment in Cream Lemon. I'm glad that Daryl's going to be reviewing Wicked City. Having been an anime fan for a while, I remember in the mid-90s, 
when everyone was going gaga over Legend of the Overfiend. I've never particularly liked Overfiend, even though fans at the time claimed it had a great story and impressive imagery, yada yada. I think it's being generous to say that Overfiend was mediocre at best. It's also my contention that Wicked City is the film that everyone claimed Overfiend supposedly was. I'm surprised that Clarissa is going to try to cram in just one segment of an AWO episode for Dojinshi. I think you'd have an entire podcast dedicated to that, but it'll be interesting to see what she has to say. Of course, I have to make a suggestion for a future episode. You ought to do an episode dedicated to anime music. You could either review the soundtracks for a specific title, specific composers. People have done a lot of soundtracks or done famous ones. Anyway, keep up the good work, and I look forward to the next show. We live in an era when our cities are armed with steel and concrete. Computers and electronics barricade our minds. It doesn't change the fact that there exist a lot of strange phenomena, bizarre beyond reason or logic. Most folks just don't see them. That's because we cling to order, to any tiny happiness that comes our way, and we bust our humps to blind ourselves with our desires and our pleasures. There's a world of darkness out there, beyond time or space. A world filled with evil that is undeniably real. And in that world, there are things that run wild. A while back, don't remember exactly which episode, go to the website, find out. I reviewed an anime by the name of Demon City Shinjuku. This was an anime title based on a novel by a guy named Hideyuki Kikuchi. It was animated by Madhouse, the studio whom I've been talking about quite a bit in recent weeks. And it was directed by a gentleman known as Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Man of infinite range and talent <laughs> and a breadth of scope. As proof of that, this week I am going to review an anime that is also... Directed by Yoshiaki Kawajiri and to demonstrate his range, it is based on a novel by Hideyuki Kikuchi and animated by Madhouse. Not Demon City Shinjuku, it is called Wicked City. Wicked City. Otherwise known as Supernatural Beast City. Truth in advertising, if ever there was one. There's actually also a live action version of this movie. The movie is awesome. There's a man who has sex with a pinball machine. <laughs> A woman is ridden like a motorcycle, or like literally, motorcycle woman. Do they pop a wheelie? Please tell me they I do. I think they stopped a plane crash by uh, landing it atop a building with the power of their brain, but live-action stuff is beyond the scope of this podcast. I've been given assurances by Destroy All Podcast DX there will be a future episode dedicated to the live-action Wicked City, so do look out for that one. The premise of Wicked City, very much in keeping with everything Yoshiaki Kawajiri does. There is the world, the real world that exists, but then there is also another more different world where demons are. However, there's a truce between each side, and they say, okay, you don't interfere with the human world demons, and in exchange, uh, we're not going to interfere with the demon world. Hideyuki Kikuchi has got such reign. Yes, Hideyuki Kikuchi is always about this. I mean, uh, always about the demons <laughs> and always about the... The truce and... The truce yeah. between two sides and dark side blues. That's another... Was that him? I believe yeah, that I was him. I'm 100% sure. Yeah. The man is just uh, multi-talented. In this case, in Wicked City, there's a group in charge of enforcing that this contract is upheld. It's a group called the Black Guard. All the heroes in this 
anime that we see are members of this organization called the Black Guard. Every 500 years, the idea here is that they have to renew the truce. At the time of this anime, Wicked City is the, the time for the next 500-year peace treaty to be signed. Of course, it's never going to go off quite as smoothly as anyone would like. There's evil demon terrorists who want to see to it that that does not happen. Uh-oh. So our hero is this guy who is basically the standard Yoshiaki Kawajiri action hero. His name is Taki Renziburo. Does he have a pompadour or some other ridiculous haircut? No, he's not like Jubei from Ninja Scroll. He does not have a wooden stick either. <laughs> but How can you fight demons if you don't have a wooden stick? Well, he's got the next best thing to a wooden stick, which is the best character <laughs> in this whole anime, known as his gun. <laughs> Both metaphorically and... It, that's and I wasn't... I, I just said his gun. I didn't want to go into the details. It, that's <laughs> kind of like ruining the joke, but not really, because we were going to go into it anyway. We were talking about just now the Cream Lemon thing, like how do anime fans put up with the fact that there is so little sex going on in their porno? Maybe Kawajiri was railing against this fact, because I want to say that per capita, Wicked City might have some sort of record. Because within the first few minutes is sex scene number one. Not just any sex scene, because Kawajiri and, dare I say, the Japanese don't have it in them to have just a sex scene. Maybe they can try and do it for a little while, but then their Japanese DNA kicks in and they're like, No, we're actually crazy otaku terrified people. Someone has to poop on someone. Someone has to shoot someone. Something has to happen, exactly. Yeah. And what happens here, well, there was a song from The Lion King. Hakuna Matata, and it means no worries. Now, I guess maybe Yoshiaki Kawajiri took his time machine and went forward in time, saw the Lion King, but since he's Japanese, he didn't really hear the term Hakuna Matata, it means no worries. He heard vagina dentata. (laughs) It means worry a lot, I guess, because in the midst of intercourse, or, you know, shortly after doing the deed with some random woman that Taki Renzuro picks up in a bar... Has been trying he was going to score, after this girl for a while. He was going after for three yeah. months, as a matter of fact. It turns out that as soon as he uh, busts his blackguard nut inside her <laughs> gut, suddenly her legs elongate into this hideous monstrosity and teeth sprout out from her vagina and attempt to bite off his dick. And he has to summon his super strength to withdraw himself and break free of <laughs> a spider woman. That's what she turns into, a woman with the tits, but... Terrible spider legs and teeth in the vagina. He doesn't even realize until, hmm, suddenly your arms and legs are elongated. I better get a little Taki out of here. Taki-chan, as I assume he probably calls him. (laughs) Coon, I hope. Coon. I don't know. Was that his first reflex, just get his dick out of there once the arms and legs start to horribly mutate? Or is he like, let me work with this? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still good. I I can Oh, teeth. All right, draw the line. I, I'm out of here. Immediately. The next day at work, everyone is just giving him shit. I was trying to figure this out. Did he, like, post on his live journal about, hey, I just, I just Dear was having sex space, with this girl. What do I oh do? Oh, my God, guys. Did he have this little mood icon that was, like, a frowny face running away from a vagina with teeth? Mood. Dick almost bitten off by spider. <laughs> normal dudes is it always like this i don't know help me out but yeah the next day at work everyone is just ha ha heard you almost got your dick bit off dude (laughs) 
No, no, it's actually not that. He's got like a secret identity where he works in an office. And uh, all people can really tell is that he's been on a bender, as best as I can tell. They're giving him shit for it. His boss knows. Well, his boss is in on it. Everyone else at the office <laughs> is presumably not a member of the Black Guard. But his boss is definitely... Maybe his boss is just an asshole! Is there a chance they might have set this up? <laughs> like inviting the tranny to the bachelor party? You know, everybody else knows that it's the tranny, and then you get you drunk, and suddenly, oh, surprise, dick. <laughs> I think that everybody was in on it. Maybe everyone was in on it, and he was on candid camera, but his boss gives him his real assignment that a very important person is going to show up for this peace treaty signing, and it's going to be his job, Taki's job, to protect this guy, because they know the terrorists are going to be after him. Yoshiaki Kawajiri, for those of you who didn't hear my Demon City Shinjuku review, I've said it before, I'll say it every single time the man's name is mentioned. He is exceptionally good at two things. The first thing he's very good at is action scenes. Yeah. The second thing he's very, very good at is character designs. He is uh, not good at anything else. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Unless your fetish is, you know, Spider-Woman, yeah, then, uh, then he's like the king of that. So we got the sex scene out of the way. First things first, now we got to get the action out of the way. First fight, I'm not sure how the situation for this happens. He's driving to the airport, and he spots that he's being followed. And rather than a car chase ensuing, he just uh, goes to the airport and walks out onto the tarmac. Yeah, he's just standing on the he's tarmac. He's standing on the tarmac where a plane is about to land. They couldn't do this today, obviously. The, and he's, yeah. they've all got guns. <laughs> just walk out to the airport and park your car and uh, everyone's armed to the teeth. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that, but that is not concern Yoshiaki Kawajiri because these two guys in suits come out and they just sort of stand there and give each other the look, and then it's on, just like that. They totally run up and jump like 20 feet in the air and spin kick a guy because he wasn't enough of a badass. He only jump kicked like 18 feet into the air, <laughs> gives him the elbow and directly into the spine, all that stuff. It's, it's awesome. But the other thing about Kawajiri is because of his character designs, everybody has to have some kind of weird, crazy demon superpower. Because all the demons, there's no two demons that are the same in a Yoshiaki Kawajiri anime. So right. one guy, his demon power is, is he, he makes the, the bones in his ribcage burst out of his body to yep. grab you. And before Naruto did it. I was about to say, he's like that dude in Naruto. But still, I mean, imagine Yoshiaki Kawajiri sitting down like, everybody must have different superpower. It's like a very inconvenient <laughs> Wolverine. Man with rib cage. Rib cage with ribs become cage. Yes, we do this. That's more of a Chinese stereotypical accent as opposed to Japanese, but there you go. Yeah. He wasn't counting on that to, you know, make your bones and your ribcage burst out of your body. But yeah, you can always tell which characters they spent time thinking of and which ones were just like, gotta fit the deadline. I mean, some yeah. guys get like the totally cool, awesome superpower, and then other guys are just straight up in the bottom of the barrel. Like, I think the second guy's ability, it's like he can turn his chest into calamari. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> That's like in comic books, where eventually they just run out of good ideas for powers, and then you get characters like the Blob, and it's like, alright, look, he's really fat, and he, you can't move him. That's a good power. This warrants the introduction of what we were talking about, the best character in the anime, Taki's gun. In this case, not just his dick. We don't get to see that. This is an erotic thriller. It's not porno. It's, it's classy. So, don't see his So, so Daryl, you know, skipped out on it again? 
Again, I did skip out on it, but you know what? There's more sex in this than there is in Cream Lemon. So there you go. <laughs> Taki's Revolver is the best character in this thing. If this anime was Angel Cop, Taki Rensaburo would only be able to fire this gun three times, even though uh, he does on multiple occasions demonstrate he has what Marshall Bravestar would refer to as strength of the bear, because when he fires this gun, flies back roughly 50 feet, and it's just downright pornographic, the <laughs> imagery of like him taking the gun from the holster. It totally shot like withdrawing <laughs> penis. <laughs> Clearly artful symbolism. So is it, is it worse than the gun porn in Helsing, do you think? Because I think Helsing was far worse. Well, now that you mention Helsing, I actually paused to admire the, the girth of this anger-filled black Lancia Longini that Taki Renziburo was uh, withdrawing to use. And if you like Helsing, uh, you may be interested to know that his revolver fires 454 castle rounds, just like Alucard's gun in Helsing. The smaller one, anyway. But since Taki is presumably just an ordinary human being, firing the gun is no small feat. Right. And so he fires the gun and embeds himself into the chain link fence. But yeah, within the first 15 minutes of this anime, you get teeth in the vagina, eyeballs with teeth, <laughs> teeth with teeth. <laughs> presumably, like, and then we're introduced to the second main character in this anime, another blackguard member only from the demon world, Makie. So, like, with all the teeth, are you thinking that this was something Kawajiri came up after having to go in for a root canal and being hopped up on the happy gas they give you? No, I think Yoshiaki Kawajiri is all natural. <laughs> this came to his mind just perfectly normal. The v entire concept. Like, Makie is a woman with very short hair. She has a man's suit on, is basically an albino, pale skin, and her superpower... <laughs> is the ability to make her fingernails grow kind of long. <laughs> but ju just on one hand, just the left hand only. So in that episode of Family Guy where they all got superpowers, was Mega reference to Makie then? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Because that was her power. She, her fingernails grew long. <laughs> this movie like, did a basic estimate. It's about... 82 minutes, including closing credits, which is like three or four minutes. So Makia shows up after about 15 of those minutes. So let's say that's about 67, 60 minutes that she's around. In that short time, which is in terms of in-film time that takes place in the story, this woman has got to be raped the most times by different isolated rapists in the shortest <laughs> amount of time in anime history i wow i defy people to come up with like a greater rape count in the shorter amount of time than makie from wicked city and not in hentai even in hentai i want to see like again like gerald was saying there's not a whole lot of sex people get in their hour of porno that they buy there's like five minutes of sex this one shortly like almost immediately after she's introduced we are introduced to this shitty dude the old guy no, no. Well... That's another shitty dude, so I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. Because the guy they're sent to broker the treaty is a guy named Giuseppe Maillart, which oh. I guess by a name like Giuseppe, he should be maybe Italian or Sicilian, but he's actually, like, a Tibetan monk. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he is Italian, though. Like In the sub, it said he was Italian. <laughs> but the picture they show of him is him dressed up like a monk from Tibet, like he's living out in the mountains training in the ways of Shaolin mm. or something. But in the anime itself, when we see him, I think he must be Italian because he's wearing a tracksuit 
if I'm not mistaken, that tracksuit has the Triforce from The Legend of Zelda on the uh, right breast pocket. And the character of Giuseppe Maillard is basically that of Hapusai from Rama One Half. He's an old, really short man who is uh, incredibly lecherous. He is always trying to molest every single woman he sees uh, when he is not looking at porno. Machie is generally the uh, victim of this, but I don't. We're not going to count the molestation from Giuseppe Maillard in the rape. We're going to give that the benefit of the doubt, because even if we counted that as sexual abuse, then uh, Machie would be untouchable as far as the uh, rape count is concerned. Okay, I see that, because, but, I mean, at most he, like, strokes her leg or something, so... But he's always, like, saying stuff and trying to feel her up and all, all yeah. sorts of crap like that, but immediately after we see him, they go to a hotel, not to have sex, believe it or not, but because the hotel has a protective barrier around it, no demon could possibly get in. Naturally, a demon gets in. And uh, this demon is an extremely shitty dude. He's wearing shades, and it's totally dark. And he's also got a white T-shirt and the sleeves rolled up, so everybody knows he's going to the gun show. Oh, you're forgetting boy. one thing, though. He's got a tank top over the shirt. No, you're forgetting... You're for- <laughs> Yeah, we're forgetting one thing about the uh, jet plane blowing up. No, no, no. I mean about the hotel owner. Oh, yeah. When they get in, like, they attack the hotel owner, and the hotel owner's arm is, like, just ripped off or something. Don't worry. And he looks up and he's like, thank God, they got my fake arm. They got the fake arm. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a a Voltron rewrite for, like, violence. Oh, thank goodness it was the robot spaceship. (laughs) They blew up, but no. When the demons attack, they take out the owner of the hotel, and he's like, don't worry about me. I was hitting the fake arm. Yes. <laughs> Taki gets incapacitated by this demon whose demonic power is to open up his mouth like he's cell charging his laser and <laughs> scream off your arm. Yes. That is basically what happens. Demonic power number two is that he can uh, also make his left fingernails really long. So it's like, geez, Machia, you got screwed. And uh, that. speaking of that, that leads to demonic power number three, which is to rape Machie. Was that really a power? Because everybody seems to be able to do that. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's a commonplace power. It's like flying or something. It's... Yeah, it's like the power of flight is the power to rape this, <laughs> this poor woman. So yeah, he succeeds in doing that, and Machie, apparently she has, I didn't count this as a superpower, but she has a prehensile hair that she's able to use to strangle people with. Apparently, she forgets that she has this power for the rest of the movie because she only uses it to kind of sort of fend off this one rape. As proof of how much of an asshole Giuseppe Maillard is, eventually they fight off this guy and murder him. But then they discover that Giuseppe has given them the slip and he's escaped the protective barrier to, of course, go to Soapland, which uh, in the subtitles of the DVD that I have didn't say Soapland. It says, you know, the massage parlor. Yeah. But it's basically the they same say thing. Soapland, Soapland, so. Yeah, they say it in English, but well, I'm for Japanese those of you who don't know, Soapland is like the red light district sort of Do they have Soaplands today? Yeah. I thought that that was kind of an 80s yeah. thing. No, they still do. Okay. I'm sure they do. I did like the Soapland lady, though. Did she have teeth but in how, the vagina? how much of a lunatic no. do you have to be knowing there's demons after you that are going to kill you? How much of a hornball cycle do you have to be to sneak away from your bodyguards in an anti-demon barrier Knowing full well the demon forces are after you, they were willing to blow up that 747 just to kind of get at you, and uh, he really, 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 really wants to pork a hooker right this second. They're telling him, oh no, you can do it after the treaty is signed. No, no, he can't just wait like five hours or something. Five hours. 
So he makes his get he makes his getaway. Like if you think about it, he makes his getaway as the rape is occurring, and she's getting raped. He's supposed to have like these super psychic powers. He doesn't help her or do jack shit to stop the rape. Maybe he was gone already. Maybe we can give him the benefit of the doubt. But, but yeah, I mean, what, what he, even is more he gets amazing? He a hand job from a hooker. Yeah. Then he gets like the full service. But naturally, since this is Wicked City, the hooker is another demon. Though he doesn't seem to notice this <laughs> as he's sucking off her tits and uh, something <laughs> flies out of her nipple yep. and goes into his mouth. <laughs> And then he still doesn't notice that she's a demon as he's literally being melted and engulfed back into the womb. Because I guess the easiest way to kill a diplomat if you fail to kill him by blowing up his 747 or blowing up his hotel is by engulfing and suffocating him in melted tits. Yep. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I guess it doesn't count as murder if the demon thing that you shoot emits electrical sparks from the chest, so... Maybe they were like, eh, it's not really that dangerous because it's just a robo-demon. It's not really a demon. I'm just going to go sneak out and get my groove on. It's also pretty amazing in that the movie tropes of, you know, she could have just, like, stabbed him right there. But no, she has to stand there with him semi-engulfed in tit. And then afterwards yeah. they, they have to save him and pull him out with, like, a great deal of, <laughs> of resistance. <laughs> Come on, get him! Ah, <laughs> oh, got him. The way this anime is it's like immediately after the old man sex oh. maki gets raped again well that's <laughs> rape number two now, now she's now they're they're driving to the the treaty place actually trying to go to the treaty but suddenly giuseppe Maillard starts convulsing because he was suffocated in <laughs> in demon <laughs> booby and then he starts coughing uncontrollably so they have to stop the car and he gets out and he hawks up this horrible worm that i guess must have been what lactated itself out of the demon hooker tits into his mouth he was getting a suck on and so naturally the worm launches itself out of his mouth directly at makie and makes a beeline straight for demon city shinguchu if you get my drift i mean if you saw ninja resurrection with same the finger thing. getting cut off it's the same deal it, it, once it's up all in her business it then proceeds to grow into a massive tentacle beast with a tentacle tongue in its tentacle mouth <laughs> that itself has a tentacle mouth, which then proceeds to rape the shit out of her in the ear canal, and then the mouth complete with the internal camera penetration shot that hentai loves so much. Yep. Oh, God. Again, it's not technically hentai. It's a suspenseful, classy, supernatural thriller. No dicks are drawn. Erotic thriller. Erotic thriller. This is very erotic, as you can see. I have got to wonder sometimes about this guy. I have to really wonder as well how similar this is to the novel. I'm sure it's scene by scene, like <laughs> a six-page description of... Of the things shoving down her throats. Were a mortal man to have been able to see inside of Machia's trachea, <laughs> would have seen the worm penetrating her, <laughs> overcoming her gag <laughs> reflex. But yeah, I guess she must have more powers than make left fingernails grow, but it's all useless shit. Make blue rain spew forth from your sternum. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> she's going to use the remainder of her power or whatever to uh, open up this demon barrier that they've been trapped within rather than save herself because it's more important that they save Giuseppe Maillard. Maybe the only time she can use her powers, maybe they're activated by rape. That's a thought. Wow. Hmm. She couldn't do anything other than the fingernails. Maybe fingernails are just default, but everything else, she has to be getting raped to use her powers. And once she used them once, they can never be used again. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the only internal logic I can assign to this anime. Obviously, we have to read the novel then. Yes. So, I mean, she uses the worm rape to buy herself time to uh, get Taki and Giuseppe the hell to safety. Of course, the minute he gets to the building, the demons show up outside and are like, Taki, there's something I want you to take a look at. And it's a video, actually, of the secretaries at work trying to learn the Japanese tea ceremony, but failing in hilarious... <laughs> but no, I'm just... I'm fucking with you. Of course, it's, it's literally Lily White Maki getting gang-raped by the big, angry black demons. I guess that's rape number three, or... I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just a continuation the of the maybe, first, well, of the second. Maybe you increase it to rape number five based on the number of people doing the raping, and uh, maybe the demons aren't black, and I'm just saying that to get a rise out of people, but they looked vaguely... Do we have a quota on the number of times we can use rape in one episode? No, it's unlimited. Okay. That's why it's anime world. No, no, don't you remember? Rape is hilarious. Only theoretically, only... though, but it's not hilarious here because we're actually seeing her getting raped. It's no longer a theoretical concept. Don't see Khan animation as <laughs> theoretical concept. But <laughs> Taki, like, as this is happening, as a true Yoshiaki Kawajiri hero, you have to be a cool motherfucker right, right. all the time. No matter what. Does my hair look right? Do I have my Jubei mullet? In this case, Taki, it's like, nothing phases me. I'm a fucking hard ass. So he just sort of stands there and watches this rape going on for a while. Does he fap? <laughs> then Giuseppe eventually <laughs> says, you know, I bet she's actually enjoying herself. Yeah, yeah. And then it dawns on me. Giuseppe Meyer is the Japanese libido conscience given form in anime. You want to go and get your rape on, and you want to watch women getting raped, and you know what? I bet they like it. That's the Japanese mind. But eventually, eventually, Taki's like, eh, you know what? Maybe I should get in my car, go off, and save Maki. So he gets to the building, where I guess he knows where she is, and then walks very, very slowly. And he's totally doing a bad job at his job He's as not well. doing a very good job at all, because he left the, yeah. the object he was supposed to be protecting. Gets out of the car, he walks real slowly to the house. Doesn't draw his gun. Both hands in pockets. Maybe he's playing pocket pool to the sounds of Makie's muffled moaning. It's muffled moaning because it's got demonic cock <laughs> crammed in her mouth due to being triple teamed as she's handcuffed <laughs> to the ceiling. And then eventually he finds her. And then he just sort of stands there for a while. Watching the rape happen. Then he just kind of casually gets to do a conversation with the dudes. Now, I want to believe that these are different dudes than the previous demons that we saw raping the shit out of her, thus making this maybe rape number four, maybe eight. <laughs> I mean, really, it, is it okay to just only count on-screen rape? Because I'm thinking they didn't stop raping her at all from any point. I don't like, think not even to get, like, hmm. Not even to get Gatorade or nothing like that. Like... They probably just worked in rotations. You know, like they had shifts. Just tag team. You got like a punch card. You gotta like punch in and then punch out. And then out, you, you, know. you gotta take a lunch break or something so somebody else swaps in for you. My shift is over. I think so. And eventually mm. he gets hypnotized by a random naked lady who shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. I, for one, want to know how potent of a libido-capturing spell must this be, because... That was the weirdest woman in the entire show, Yeah, it stuns him, the sight of this lady, and then it... It either... <laughs> I, either he starts imagining it, or I'm pretty sure it really starts to happen, but her stomach is a fluid-spurting <laughs> vagina that... It's, it's very David Lynch, it's just... And then he starts walking, and he's hypnotized, but not less than 24 hours ago, the last demon lady he porked turned into a spider and tried to bite off his dick with her cunt teeth. And, he, and so, no, he's still thinking, this is a good idea. He puts his head inside... I was, I was really hoping he would just stand back, and then just, like, run at her, and then just put his hand forward and just, like, and fly through no way, like, Indiana Jones. 
Jones. No, it's just... <laughs> but no, no, he's just like, whole body is a giant fluid-spurting vagina at this point, and I'm just going to get in there. <laughs> but then at the last possible second, he does snap out of it and enacts what must be the most righteous Riccio-worthy mud hole stomping in the course of under 30 seconds you will ever see in an anime. Because, I mean, it happens super-duper fast, but, I mean, he pulls out a surrogate cock, smears the pavement with the woman from inside her, yep. which knocks him 15 feet back into the concrete wall. <laughs> then he shoots, like, three more dudes without missing a beat, and it just embeds him that much further into the wall. He flies through the wall, I thought. Breaks through the wall in the last one. Yeah. Then he runs up, punches one of the rapists in the face so hard, both of his eyeballs <laughs> pop out. Not just... <laughs> Not just one eyeball. Like, if this was Tetsuo Ohara, it would be one eyeball. If this is a North Star, one eyeball. This, both eyeballs. And then he keeps following through with the punch. He literally punches clear through the dude's skull like the old magazine ad for God Hand. And then he just braces up against another wall, fires the last two remaining shots from the revolver to kill the other two rapists. Breaks the wall entirely, makes him fall through to the floor. This should have been the entire movie. <laughs> That's the thing with Kawajiri. It's like, this is awesome. It's would be like the best anime ever, except there's this constant rape going on. The characters and like the designs and the action scenes are great, but there's too much like woman being brutalized for you to like zero in on it. I kind of think they got the mix wrong. I would have preferred maybe some more of that <laughs> immediately after all this. I believe Taki Renziburo is then confronted by the big bad boss, who is, I guess, the rock man from Ninja Scroll. Only his demon power is the ability to have spikes stick out from his elbow. Wow. <laughs> I've got spikes in my elbow. That's about it. Yeah, that's not horribly impressive uh, as far as the scales this show has yeah. established. We've seen all this other stuff, and then the big bad boss is spikes through the elbow. Taki gets impaled through the abdomen by one of the giant metal spikes, but he's too cool. Doesn't scream out in pain, is not slowed down or inconvenienced at all. You know, I completely forgot that even happened. It was such a minor thing in the... This is a pretty heavy-duty spike we're talking about. I mean, uh, if Mega Man fell on the spike, he'd die instantly. If Mega but Man like, touches anything, he dies Mega instantly. Mega Man so. steps on, true, like, a thumbtack. Like, That's it. He's dead. If Mega Man is sneezed on, he explodes. So there we go. The quality of the subtitles, I mean, we already talked about the massage paro instead of soap land. Makie says in the subtitles, you have deep wound. It's all just a cheap excuse to get his shirt off and get her feeling up his punctured six pack <laughs> after she's been raped. And all he can say to her after this horrifying traumatic experience is, you're going to catch cold wearing nothing but my jacket, baby. I mean, that's not word for word. But I mean, it's basically an excuse to get her emergency clothes and switch her into the most elaborate, extravagantly impractical supermodel outfit they could think of. Clarissa, answer me this. After getting gangbang sore, is the first instinct a woman has to accessorize her white dress with a pearl necklace? A pearl necklace? You just spent the last several hours with a minimum, minimum of four demonic schlongs crammed down the windpipe. I'm thinking it's more like ten. And that's just counting from the worm part on. Is the pearl necklace really where your mind is at, Clarissa? No. Maybe it's because she's a demon woman. M maybe? I just... Maybe that's like the ultimate justification for everything in this anime. Like, maybe in the demon world. I think Kawajiri's justification is I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Whatever. 
Maybe the justification is more like, in the demon world, rape is how we say hello. It's like a handshake. <laughs> Just, hey, how's it going? Zip. Maybe that's how it is in the demon world. But yeah, it's like Gerald was saying, Taki wasn't really doing a very good job as a bodyguard because he abandoned his post. And Maki wasn't really doing a very good job either. Even though she broke the barrier to get them free and sacrificed herself, she still was enjoying that rape a little too much. So they're loose cannons, they're mavericks, and they're off the case. They throw them off. As if this whole anime weren't nightmarish enough, the spider woman from the very beginning, there is a scene where she descends down on a spider thread that is clearly being generated from the spider <laughs> vagina mouth, mm -hmm. which later on she is explicitly shown squirting Thick, sticky, white strands of webbing from her vagina as an attack, Apocalypse Zero style. It's a reverse of rolls, obviously. It's deep. I guess so. Symbolism. After the thrown off the case, Taki and Maki together just sort of driving and just talking about nothing, really. Man, sorry I got you suspended from the case. That's all they can really talk about. So, uh, how was that rape last night, Maki? <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Nothing more caring and sensitive for Taki. Not even, like... So, are you bleeding from the gas? I mean, not even like that level of sensitivity. <laughs> Say, you didn't get demon knocked up, did you? I mean, I can help. I mean, as you can see earlier, I can administer a pretty mean falcon punch. <laughs> I mean, nothing. Nothing on the part of Taki for anything. When the spider lady attacks them again while they're in the car, the first thing he does is kick her away to get some distance. And then Falco punch straight in the stomach to guarantee his busting a nut inside her isn't going to result in, you know, making alimony payments to the billion babies that float free on Charlotte's web like at the end of that. That should have been his first guess. I mean, it doesn't work out so well. I mean, he ends up getting webbed up and slashed his back all to hell by the spider lady. But in a surprising, shocking revelation, Giuseppe Maillard, who has up to this point been totally useless has the superpower to administer electroshock therapy straight to the pussy. <laughs> he had this power the entire time. He just didn't use it because he's an asshole. Yep. Like, why didn't he stop that first rape? Even if he was going to make his getaway. You just, fucking save him, you jerk. He's just, he's a jerk on so many levels. On so many levels. Even the big revelation at the end, you realize, oh my god, he was so much more of a You're jerk. You're such an asshole because it's like, all right, Taki, his whole back has been cut up and carved to pieces and he's probably unconscious from blood loss. Immediate next scene, Taki and Makie wake up totally naked in church and decide, you know, after all that has happened, after all that's happened to both of us, the time now is to make sweet love <laughs> to each other, complete with, like, the 80s-approved hands <laughs> clasping together simultaneously. Dave Riley points out this does not count as rape, but still, seriously, girl, your vagina probably looks like the shredded roast beef at Arby's at this point. I mean, oh. <laughs> oh, God. Not a few moments ago, Taki just had his back torn open repeatedly. All your important tendons and ligaments and lungs and stuff have got to be shattered to say nothing of the stab wound to the stomach, which nobody cared about. How can either of them possibly be in the mood? Well, angsty, hurt, comfort fanfiction has yeah, taught me that there is no better time to have sex with your loved one than after the both of you have been horribly tortured and or raped repeatedly. Daryl, we don't I understand. So. We, as men, we do not Nothing understand Nothing heals you like the magic power of your significant other's genitalia. I guess, but it's like, not only, though, have you lost half a gallon of blood, but this is... 
Maria Samagamiteru in the literal sense. They're fucking right in front of a statue of the Virgin Mary. She is watching. <laughs> the final battle is uh, the evil tentacle rape beast explodes from inside of the Virgin Mary, which is, I guess, more symbolism. And the surprise revelation Gerald is going on about is that Giuseppe reveals that he was actually guarding them the whole time, not the other way around, because you see... After the thousands of years, they've finally found out a way to breed a half-human, half-demon who in turn will grow up and be the savior and lead the world in a sphere of greater demon co-prosperity or whatever. It's talking Machia. So they don't, see, they don't need Jesus anymore. The Virgin Mary is old news. The new <laughs> king is going to be born of a, all right, it's not really a virgin mother by any imagination. <laughs> Maybe just, like, gone and talked to both of them and said, like, all right, here's the deal. There's this prophecy. We need, like, a half-human, half-demon. Are you guys willing to bone each other? I don't think so, because then they would have done it out of duty instead of out of their love for one another, which clearly had so much time to blossom due to all the time (laughs) they spent together being tortured, raped, or... Just like saying, hey, thanks for saving my life from the horrible demon. That makes his... Yep, I'm going to pay you back by saving your life. That makes them lovers forever. And that makes the guys running off to the Soapland so much worse. Like, he was not even doing his job. Yeah, you'll fall in love with each other by saving your girl from getting raped. Well, not like he actually did any saving. Yeah. He just kind of watched. But yeah, there's more with the religious symbolism, because like, fighting on the roof of a church, the big evil metal spike from the elbows guy catches the short end of the cross straight between his eyes. And then Maki remembers, oh, that's right, I have the superpower to make long fingernails. (laughs) She's got, like, superpower due to being pregnant. And as the dub states, oh, she's got a bun in the oven, or, you know, whatever, definitely. But yeah, it was the precondition for the pregnancy. I even wrote it down in the notes. They had to fall in love with each other. But again, there's no love story here. There's more time of Maki being raped than not raped, <laughs> let alone building up any sort of relationship. I guess at this point, I just have to throw up my hands and say, like, oh, Kawajiri-chan, <laughs> what will you do next? I mean, you embody everything in anime that I want, but for whatever reason, I don't really like any of the anime that you ever made growing up. I mean, I hated Ninja Scroll. I haven't watched Ninja Scroll since. I didn't watch Wicked City for a long, long time, and I didn't like it. I liked some of the designs, like the, the monster designs I thought were brilliant. Top rate. But, but, I, but yeah, it's like, it's, there's something missing. I don't know what it is. Sure, the guy's got the subtlety of a sledgehammer. I mean, I can respect that much. And the action scenes are great when they happen. But, like, I always said I like Demon City Shinjuku more. Yeah. Even though Demon City Shinjuku is totally Wicked City light. That's why I haven't really rewatched Wicked City in a long time, because it's like, I, I liked Shinjuku better. And what's interesting yeah. is that the setup of this when I was looking at it, is almost identical to Ninja Scroll. Like, yeah, it's yeah, got, you've got really. the male and the female, and then there's the old guy, and that's the same thing in Ninja Scroll. And the female gets raped a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar sort of video game style, go here, fight a guy. Yes. Slightly less rape in Ninja Scroll, perhaps. Slightly. <laughs> the sex count for Kagero is like, what, two? As opposed to 2000 or whatever it is that's going on in Wicked City. Yeah, I don't know. I never liked Wicked City other than the designs. It's gorgeously animated. Yeah. It's Madhouse always does great work with that. Character designs are very sharp. Kawajiri, for all his flaws, he's never really given in to the whole Lolicon mm-hmm. aspect of you know anime. No one's going to accuse this of being particularly moe or anything. He's <laughs> very much 
in with that spirit of like the 1980s action movie. You can't, yeah. Me, I can't buy my Makie hug pillow. Totally to counterbalance the uh, card captor Sakura body pillow covers. I can't say that uh, she's not an unattractive character design. She's got the man suit on and the short hair, and people who like King from King of Fighters only with black hair would probably go for that. Except she's getting raped all the time. The women were in general are pretty well designed. I like the soap house lady a lot. Before or after Until, she melts into... B- yeah, yeah, b- before she, yeah, she engulfs before, okay. in, in boobage. Because, you know, the spider lady was looking pretty good until she became the spider lady. And then, <laughs> even then, do you have to forgive yourself? It's like, torso only? Can I, you can't really paper bag it. But maybe you can Reynolds wrap it or something. I don't know. It's like paper bagging it is... It's like inverse at this point. What about total chest vagina? I did. Yeah, that, that was just. Gotta stop and think about it for a second. All I could think about was Videodrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that was coming to my mind. And I haven't even seen that movie. I don't know why it was coming to my mind, but. <laughs> this is kind of one of those anime that a lot of people watched in the 90s back when there wasn't a whole lot of anime out there. Blockbuster Video had this. It showed on Showtime, uncut, yeah. which is how I saw it. You watch this, and you're, like, so scared, like, your parents are going to show up. Yeah. And cause there's no no good part for them to walk in. Yeah. And be like, oh, no, this is just a, an action movie, Dad. And it, no, it doesn't work that way. But thank God no one showed up, because I would have just had to take a ball-peen hammer and break the TV. And not even, like, just... Change the channel or anything like that. <laughs> you could sense it. The wicked cityness. There was actually a documentary that was done in the 90s on HBO. It was right around when Mononoke came out. It was just about, you know, this new anime thing. I've got it on VHS somewhere. And they used Wicked City a lot to illustrate style in anime. Yeah, because the thing about Kawajiri is stuff like Wicked City and Ninja Scroll, of course, Overfiend, were the things that defined the stereotypical image of what anime was until Pokemon came along, basically. Yeah. Oh, it's all violent, rape-filled cartoons, and they're for kids. Dun-dun-dun! Maybe part of that is why I wasn't always feeling it totally, because you had that gotta defend anime. It's not all Wicked City and Ninja Scroll, but I mean, I watched it again just the other day, and I'm like, it's missing something, and I'm not sure what it is, but I'm guessing it fills in, like, the gaps of what Kawajiri can't quite do, like, you know, story. I think that Kawajiri needs to stick to being maybe, like, a designer and an animation director, and maybe yeah. he should let the writer and the director itself off to someone who Well, can... I think he's good for, like, short work things, like anthology things. He did do a thing for the Animatrix. It wasn't the best thing. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, solid fight scene thing. Did he do Robot Carnival? I don't think so, no. I don't think so. He did do Mani Mani Labyrinth Tales. Yeah. He did the Running Man segment of that, which was the one that everybody Neo knows, Tokyo. So. Yeah, that's the yeah. one that played on Liquid Television. He is in Batman Gotham Knight. He did some stuff for that. Madhouse did a, a few actually, and uh, I actually am looking forward to seeing that, because I do yeah. really like his talent for action, his drawing, character designs, his right, artwork right. is all great. Have you seen uh, Highlander? Highlander, yes. That was pretty I, bad, I, I heard. I admit it. It was uh, not good, because it's Highlander, <laughs> and what do you expect? It's hey. Highlander. I'm sorry, hey. Clarissa. Highlander has one good movie. Slash Fiction kept that fandom alive for everything <laughs> after. I, how did it keep going after Highlander 2? That's a good question. It's a mystery. Slash <laughs> Fiction, that's the only answer. It's a mystery. Only possible answer. But yes, Highlander Search for Vengeance 
Yeah, I never left. saw it. So I, from the animation that I saw, it looked like I, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it because I just heard such terrible things. If you were able to watch Highlander Endgame and then the Highlanders that came after Highlander Endgame, which they did make, yeah, I, Highlander I did Search for Vengeance compared to that, the blood of the Lichtenlot family is but a few drops. I saw so, Endgame in the theater. Oh wow! Oh boy! That's special. <laughs> see what see what we mean. <laughs> there Slash were, like, fiction. Four people in the whole place. Well, that's more than there was in Godzilla oh, God. 2000 when I went to see it, so... Yeah, Godzilla yeah. 2000 is a good too. movie, though. I saw that, too. It was good. <laughs> there was, like, six people when I saw Speed Racer. That's an awesome movie. Fuck all the haters. I like the live-action Speed Racer. Yes. But, yeah, it's not going to make any money. Wicked City, Kawajiri stuff. If only there was someone to just take the parts of Kawajiri that I like and discard the remainder. <laughs> Kawajiri, do we lump him in with, like, the Ichiro Itanos of the world? <laughs> Or what? <laughs> I don't think... He, he doesn't make stuff that is wretched. Bad. Like, it's not wretchedly it's, to watch the way, like... Ichiro Itano's you know, a lot of his stuff is. Like, that he directs. I think the thing with this guy is that he's knocking on the door to amazing. He's just not quite opened the door there. Right. I really think that Kawajiri, the appeal of him, is uh, exponentially more so to anime fans here in America yes. than in Japan. Like, I don't yeah. really think Japan, he's that big of a deal even though he's like a huge figure in madhouse and i think that his appeal in america is still very much more in the anime fans that have been around since the 90s he's very much of appealing to the casual anime very fan. much like, so i think that his stuff is easy to watch if you have no idea what anime is it's just right. it looks his stuff is all about style very and, and i like his style i i just uh you know <laughs> it's indefensible wicked city <laughs> it's like it would be i'm going to just I had a conversation many years ago at Otakon with Dave and Joel and everybody, and they attached it to the end of their Wicked City review of us talking to the restaurant about Wicked City, and you'll see that I said the exact same things three years ago that I just said in this review, and I'm going to attach it here, but yeah. I don't know if I would say check out Wicked City uh, without uh, severe qualifications to that, but if you can uh, forgive the constant raping which is unforgivable, <laughs> and look at it for the rest of so, it, uh, so I'm trying Wicked to figure City's out awesome. Does this actually beat Koike manga for rape? No, because Koike counts. Because nobody is. Koike is classy. Koike doesn't actually, you know, show the dick. Yeah, neither does this. Neither does Wicked City. Yeah, does anybody ever have consensual sex in Koike manga? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. In Koike manga, isn't it like, oh, I love you, I love you, they fall on the bed, cut hours later, then they wake yeah. up in bed. So. Yeah, pretty much. It's not, uh,. As much of the uh, action, I mean, uh, crying <laughs> Freeman is maybe the closest, I would say. And there, there's no but face pissing in this one either. Still, it's pretty terrifying. I, I would not recommend this as the first anime you show to somebody, even though for a lot of people, this was the first anime they ever saw. Yeah. yeah. has that effect on people of being the first anime anyone ever sees is something he made. I think this is something to see. If you're one of those people who has not seen this and you've been watching anime for a while, because the good stuff in it is very, very, very good. Yeah. And the bad stuff is very, very, very bad. <laughs> right. There's no in-between. Right. I think a lot of the people who like this just mentally choose to forget. <laughs> the sheer amount. Media. You remember, it's like, yeah, there was a lot of sex in it, but you don't really quite remember just how much. No. Because <laughs> I mean, you go back and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, because it's all like, yeah, I guess, you know, Makie can sort of, you know, be capable because she did kind of, I guess, kill two people and she's 
sort of competent, but then again, she's uh, the eternal victimized damsel in distress anyway. And uh, that's the all-female Kalajiri characters, really. Yeah. We're only a little bit shorter than the length of Wicked City. Yes. So, <laughs> oh, well. It's stop. <laughs> Shaved my chest and caught me naked. If she's not pregnant, then I'm an auntie, you kid. There's a bun in that oven, make no mistake about it. Although I have to admit, I didn't think the science would appear this early in the game. <laughs> Alright, if you want to be honest, like, the first anime I ever saw was, like, you know, Wicked City, uh... Karate rolls all the way, and so it's Wicked City. Did you the art house at midnight, or what? No, there was an anime shelf. There was an anime shelf at my video store. Blackbuster, sure, okay. And, uh... Well, this was Wicked a, uh, City had a but wait, wasn't it you, Dave, who was saying you liked Wicked City and Joel didn't? Yeah, I love Wicked City. It's one of my favorite movies. I think I like Demon City Shinjuku more than Wicked City. Demon City Shinjuku is like Wicked City light. It's like I can almost feel comfortable showing this to my mom if the plant wasn't sort of raping this girl. Yeah, the thing is, is like Demon City Shinjuku has beaten people with a stick. Cutting people through with a stick. Rock I can appreciate... Shades, yeah. Rock, rings. I, can, I can appreciate that more than Wicked City and the one karate roll gun that fires well, and puts it through like a wall. Giant gun and then... His giant gun and the girl who gets raped eight times in the 90-minute film. Well, my problem is, I have this thing with... And the melting into the womb with the old guy. I should have recorded that. The, the slow defeated, that was so creepy. 20 minutes of, I watch these shows and I love them for the show that I imagine them to be. Yeah. Which is sort of why I That's like how people love Weisskreuz. They don't actually like Weisskreuz. They love it for what they imagine it to be like. Like what it could be. Well, like, whatever it was, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Sakura Diaries on the show. And essentially, Sakura Diaries is like this totally crappy show. And it is. But at its heart, you can see where someone could make a good show out of this. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of why I like Sakura Diaries, even though I don't, because it sucks. But that's the same idea about Wicked City. It's like, you got this sexy girl with nails. And if she didn't get raped, that'd be great, because then she could, you know, use the nails and stab people. Cut somebody. But no, instead, she gets raped like three times in the movie. No, it's like seven or eight times. Gerald kept well, count. Are we counting by person or by event? Event. Yeah, let's, hey, let's confirm this. Wait, Gerald, we're trying to get a conclusive rape count for Wicked City. I say it's about seven. Let's recount the individual event. Dave says it's three. Ex-boyfriend, the mind worm, and the gang rape. Well, she's handcuffed. No, there was... Okay. I think that you're high and you're low. I think it's fine. All right, what are they? What is available? Because, yeah, ex-boyfriend. Yeah, it's the gang rape. Gang rape, that's what we got. Not that one. The, uh, the mind worm tentacle yeah. in the tunnel. The, 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 what's it called? The, that was the, the spider. The spider. Wait, she didn't rape. The, she didn't it rape. Turned, it turned into a rape. It turned into rape. He construed. He could construe it as such. All right, that's a point of contention. I think that's that, that, That's four. And the last one is, is blanking on me at the moment. The consensual one in the church doesn't count. <laughs> That's not right. Yeah. 
that's like the total 80s style sweet loving interclassmen in the hands in the middle of the church and the church is not on fire and the Virgin Mary is not crying blood and nobody has cut their finger off to crawl yeah ninja resurrection remember that one I don't know, Ninja Resurrection might have been the best, the second best next to Root Search. Damn you, uh, evil Jesus.